0: This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover 2 Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening.
1: Hi, this is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources, and I'm joined today by Paul Webb, Who's a detective from the Copley Police Department, and Marcy Mason, who's the youth services worker for both Bath and Copley Police Departments. And Marcy has been in her role for 33 years. The third member of the presentation team is Lisa Baker, communications specialist from the Bath Police Department. She works the midnight shift and was unable to join us for this podcast. So, welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thanks for having me in. Yep. Um, so, before we get to the program and, and really the topic for today, let's just talk about what you've witnessed since the opioid epidemic has descended on Northeast Ohio.
2: Well, we tell a couple of the stories in our program, um, but I'm full-time in the Detective Bureau since 2011, strangely enough. And uh, we just have a couple officers, too, uh, in our uh, Detective Bureau And a third one, though, that is assigned to the uh, street uh, narcotics team. So we've seen a lot of activity just in the immediate area of Copley. We do have an area, uh, Montrose, which is State Route 18 and 77. That's high-density hotels. We've got about a dozen of them up there. And we do get the overdose-type calls up there. Just to give you an idea in the Detective Bureau, I I don't have statistics to back this up. Just my feeling of things that I'm working on is more than 50% of the time. And I would characterize maybe up to 75 to 80% of the time when I'm dealing with a criminal case Mm -hmm. somewhere in the background, it has to do with some sort of drug type thing, especially with the heroin thing. When you're talking about thefts, a lot of times in the bay, even shopliftings Mm -hmm. in the background, it's an addict trying to fund their habit. You know, some of the home burglaries that we've had, uh, we've had heroin addicts that we've charged in that, and they've admitted to us, you know, they go around and they look for the empty houses and they look for the quick hit items to to buy or to steal out of the house so they can go trade it for their drug or pawn it and get some money and buy a drug. So that's just kind of maybe in the last, at least the era that I've been in detective bureau, it's really gotten more and more and more connected to that drug
1: scene. Yeah, just directly connected where where you can you can predict that that high a percentage. 50 to 75 percent. Where you say to yourself,
2: when you get a crime, you say, you know, if it's a burglary, okay, Mm -hmm. who should we look at here? And, you know, if you get somebody, you know, are they, is there an addict involved? And I don't want to give the number, but
1: seven times out of 10, probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Marcy, comments on that? On how it's impacted your neighborhood here, the opioid epidemic. You've seen a lot in that time. Sorting through it all, I'm I'm sure it's
3: thinking back um, to it. I've worked with a lot of juvenile law offenders over the years, and occasionally I'll go through and look at the reports of the people that have overdosed on, on the opiates, and I see a lot of familiar names—kids that I worked with in diversion that at 15 and 16 were, um, you know, exhibiting some risky behaviors and maybe drinking alcohol and smoking marijuana. Kids that I worked with in our police department diversion program that now five or six years later are struggling with the opiates. Yeah.
1: You know, um, since you mentioned age, I want to ask you both a question. Um, I heard yesterday, and I was, last night, I was in a, a different community in Northeast Ohio presenting, and uh, we, we were talking about when kids start now. And they said that they've witnessed average age of 12 years old. What have you witnessed here? 12 years old. Think about that. Oh, that blew me away. It's just so sad.
3: Yeah. I think, um, you know, we use a lot of national statistics and hidden in plain sight and they're saying, you know, the jump in the increase in use with alcohol, marijuana is like eighth between eighth and 10th, 10th grade. Um, we're not arresting kids that are 12 years old that Mm -hmm. are, are using drugs. Right. Um, I would think it's more like, that diff- jump between 8th and ninth grade and their introduction to high Where you school see most is when it, it really sure. right really is jumping up yeah okay. Mar-
2: marcy's correct our for instance our 8th grade in this community uh, is in the middle school building and so that building is from 5th to 8th grade we have had calls in the middle school you know somebody possessing a pill maybe during the daytime that sort of thing but not to the magnitude as the older kids you know yeah. so i'd say but the target probably is correct statistically and we use uh uh, monitoringthefuture.org. That's our national statistics we utilize.
1: Okay. So now let's get along to your program. In 2011, you and your colleagues in the Bath Police Department created a unique traveling display called Hidden in Plain Sight to help fight the opioid epidemic in Northeast Ohio. The department's constructed what appears to be a bedroom of an average teenager, and this is really cool. But items that are taken for granted as nothing but the usual accessories may actually be signals that the teenager could be doing, you know, involved in risky and even illegal uh, activities such as substance abuse, drinking, eating disorders, sexual activity, and more. So let's talk a little bit about that, Hidden in Plain Sight, really successful program since 2011. How did you start that?
3: Over the years, I've had the opportunity to go to many different workshops and conferences and trainings that have been presented. In 2009, uh, Brexville a uh, community Coalition from Brexville hosted a meeting for parents and it was a community coalition from Toledo that presented in, in Brexville. And I went to that and it was a hidden in plain sight presentation And I, I was just blown away in the in the 30 years, you know that I've been going to these. It was by far the most impressive, Presentation that I that I I had seen, mm-hmm. so I talked to them, this coalition from Toledo, about coming out and presenting it locally, and they wanted a thousand dollars, which really isn't outrageous because they had to rent a trailer and bring all their equipment sure. and and staffing and stuff. But I'm like, for that much money, we could do our own and have it. And, you know, have it available and do it like once a year for Copley, Fairlawn, and Revere schools, which are the two districts, school districts that we're working with. So we started with a budget of $800, put all this stuff together, and then presented at um, Copley and at Revere.
1: And your target audience for this, then you're presenting it to whom? Parents. Just the parents.
3: Parents, um, we do get school staff. We get professionals from agencies, you know, people that work with, with young people. Mm-hmm. to come okay but your target audience primarily parents, parents of
1: yes. school age kids so high school middle school
3: yes both In elementary school. In elementary, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So in college-age kids, and we're finding grandparents are coming, you know, so they can keep up to date on what's going on with their grandkids. So after we presented at Copley and Revere, school superintendents have meetings, and they started, you know, Copley-Fairland school superintendent was just raving about it. So we started getting inquiries from other communities about um, coming there to host and our township trustees and the the chiefs of police here were both uh, all very supportive of letting us travel around to these different communities and do these presentations so now we're with no absolutely no marketing materials um, we're booked once a week which is what we shoot for once a week pretty much throughout the school year and even some summer presentations scheduled From now till fall.
1: That's tremendous. Mm -hmm. That is really great.
3: So let's talk just a little bit about the components
1: of the program. Kind of, can you walk us through that?
2: Yeah. Basically, what we do is uh, we set up the interactive exhibit, and it's probably got 150, like you said, 150, 200 items of at risk behaviors, not just drug, all drug abuse items, but it could be any risky behavior that a kid could get into. So what we do is when parents arrive at this, um, we have them browse through, you know, walk through, pick things up, open them up, look at them, be inquisitive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we kind of stand there and, and answer questions as they go. So give us a few examples of this, Paul, if you could, these items. Let's talk. A little, sure. You know. um, if we, we have all kinds of things. Uh, I mean, a lot of them are drug abuse items. What we did when we first started this, we had a giant property destruction, our evidence vaults. So we have a lot of destructed drug paraphernalia, um, but things that could be sitting in a plain room. And this personal story was uh, somebody had a flower vase set up in a room. And of course, they were using <laughs> what a, is a water bong in the back. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, a, a water pipe. Um, designed for only for smoking with marijuana. A big misconception uh, that people have with uh, these kind of drug paraphernalia items as they see them. you know. They said, well, that's a bong. Well, actually, it's referred to as a water pipe. And until you use that illicit item, this, with the drug of abuse, marijuana, that's kind of the point that it becomes drug paraphernalia in yeah. the state of Ohio, just with
1: marijuana, for yeah, instance. Right. So that's kind of some of the ideas that we've got over time. Okay. Um, so what are some of the more unusual things that you wouldn't necessarily... Recognized that well, way. We
3: have um, a lot of homemade items. So, like, this is a, a can that's been converted to uh,
1: Mountain a, Dew a smoking. Can. Okay. So it's crushed, like, just down the middle of it, mm-hmm. lengthwise, down the middle. And then you've got a bunch of holes in it. you got okay. about 10, 12 holes in it. And right. what do they do with that? So
2: what that is, in essence, is this is the bowl for... So like this, here would be the bowl on the this illicit item. But what they've done, they've constructed it here, okay? Mm-hmm. So what they do is they put their marijuana right in there, okay? Mm-hmm. So what this is metal, so mm-hmm. they can fire this with a lighter, so to heat it, all okay. right? So if you get that right in there, you can fire it with the lighter. Mm-hmm. And then what they're doing is they're inhaling through this end right here. So it's mm-hmm. almost like this the sort of thing. End. Probably yep. what you want yeah. is a little bit of water or
1: fluid in here. So it's almost... The same idea as a water pipe. Right. So you see that in their garbage, and, and you know, oh, okay. Even if it's not used, you see it prepared that way, and you know something's up.
3: Even a water bottle can be turned into...
1: Clear water device.
3: bottle. Mm-hmm. Huh. And this is the stuff that kids are more going to be more likely to use than these expensive yeah. items.
2: The okay. thing with these items, Greg, exactly, the head shop type items. But even in a head shop, uh, that's about 20 or 30 bucks for a pipe, that sort of okay. thing. Or the bomb... Like the elaborate one that we have here, that's about $80 in a head shop. So most kids don't have the ways and means to be possessing, when it comes to marijuana, Mm -hmm. items like this. So
0: like Marcy said,
2: yeah, they they get very creative. And Mm -hmm. just about everything in that garbage can that we have in our display is a uh, smoking device. Okay. What else? Another one that we bought uh, when we were in a head shop, and it was really more for the— the tags that I bought this one, but this is the the very subtly named, and I'm joking, the dime bag. And it's a case for a smoking device for a pipe. But the reason why I bought it, Craig, was because of the tags that were on it. And uh, you can see that's the tag for the mm-hmm. for the, the dime bag. Mm-hmm. But it was this one that was with it. okay. And on the back of this tag, it said, come back with a warrant. And if you flip that over, I'll let you get the shot.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: If you flip it over... It quotes the Fourth Amendment, okay? So I started thinking about the message that came along with the sale of this, mm. okay? And, and I interpreted it as this, you know, don't let the police search the bag where your pipe is because you're protected by the Fourth Amendment yeah. your search and seizure and I always tell parents and my other fellow officers too you know the police might have another example of law um, probable cause you know this thing smells like weed or maybe a better one probable cause you're high <laughs> you know so that sort of thing yeah. you know yeah. obviously officers would have every right to search or especially if they made an arrest for someone under the influence. You know, that might be a, a clue or further evidence. I
3: don't know about that. We've got digital scales, um, lots and lots of digital scales. Something, that's what that thing is. That's yeah. a digital scale. Yeah, there's actually an app you can get for your phone that will turn your, your phone into a digital scale. Wow. So that's probably huh. what's more often being used than even, even these now these days. But these are our regular items that um, anybody that's using marijuana is going to... Probably have in their possession. It used to be in the old days that we thought it was just the drug dealer that was going to have scales, but now they're, they're very inexpensive and easy to get. So um, people want to weigh their product when they buy it to make sure that they're getting what they paid for. Oh,
1: interesting.
2: Okay. And those are certainly other clues, you know, short of the drug itself that points a parent to maybe something is going on. People, especially people when it comes to marijuana, they're going to have clues on their body that tell you, you know, especially if they've recently used, yeah, with the Visine or the clear eyes, the Mm. red eyes, they have blood red eyes, Mm. you know, Um, the smell, you know, if they're covering up the smell elaborately, they're keeping the the body sprays or stuff like that. Or do you ever have a child bother? borrow your car and they're, they're so polite to put that air freshener in for you or, or you get there and there's 75 air fresheners hanging from the rearview mirror, you know, maybe a clue that something's yeah. going on in your car. Even if it's just cigarette smoke, still illegal for someone under 18.
1: Sure. Okay.
2: So, what about opioids? So as we, when we do our talk, um, mm-hmm. the, like I said, the first part of our, our talk is definitely those first couple things. We get into all kinds of uh, uh Prescription and non-prescription uh, drugs that can be abused. And, of course, illicit drugs, of course, we're seeing. And it is a small percentage when we're talking about people under the age of 18. But you and I know, Greg, that statistically, nationally, young people, 19, 20, 21-year-olds, are experiencing problems with these drugs. Yep. Keeping with the hidden in plain sight theme, especially heroin, where we had millions and millions of things to show you with, uh, with uh, marijuana, different things. Heroin evidence is
3: kind of limited. So some of the things that we have in the display, of course, we talk the prescription opiates and we've got, you know, some of those around pills and stuff in the display. We talk about how um, addicts are snorting these prescription medications. So we have some different tools that um, someone who is grinding uh, medications up in order to snort might have. So we have like a hose clamp and sandpaper.
1: So what are the grinder tools? Do you have some examples of grinding tools here that they use?
3: Sandpaper would be one. Okay. Um, a hose clamp is another one that a parent Mentioned to us that they said they were finding so a hose clamp from your garage in your kid's bedroom might be an indication hmm. that something is not quite right. So the, would they use that as the tourniquet? Is that what you're... No, no, no. would you use the, the hose no, clamp for? No, they're using hose? it. They take a pill uh-huh. and they shave it. Oh, with, with the, the sharp, with sharp part edges, on that, the sharp uh, of, edges on, on the thing. The okay, I just ramp. didn't get that. I yeah, was, yeah completely so it's different. turning the pill yeah. into a powder form then, they, huh. then that, that they could snort. Yeah, okay. So um, that's some of the things that are in the display. When we get more onto um, heroin, I mean, this is it. There's not really mm-hmm. uh, a lot of props that have to do with the, the heroin, fentanyl abuse, but we've got... Um, We've got a fold or a kite, it's called, which is sometimes um, the way that those drugs come packaged. um, So that's
1: a folded up piece of notebook paper, a scrap of notebook paper.
3: Any kind of paper. Yeah. It can be the newspaper um, Mm -hmm. just folded into small, Mm -hmm. small Mm -hmm. little parts. Mm -hmm. um, Sometimes could come packaged in that. We've got a sandwich bag that they use the corners of the bags Mm -hmm. and then knot them off. So there could be some product in something like this. Yeah. Um, we've got um, um, some cotton items like cotton balls, and this is a filter from a cigarette, Q-tips. These are. This is used when uh, it's been melted down, and they use this to filter impurities out of it. So before it goes in the syringe, it would go through... Um, a filter of so some they kind. They stick
1: the needle in the filter and then draw it through up, that. Right. Yeah, right. Okay.
3: So um, anything that's cotton, we've got. You know, we show parents the just the tips, the covers from the, from the needle. So they may not, if they see these things laying around, you know, they may not know exactly exactly what it is.
1: Mm, yeah. Um, and the spoon.
3: The spoon would be to put um, the drug in and, and burn it, melt something down so they could then draw it up in a syringe and, and inject it.
1: So you've got that telltale sign. You find the spoon around and you look at it and it's dark, it's black,
3: mm-hmm. you know. And then this one gets, gets on your hands and your fingers and stuff. So I was watching a documentary where the mom said she'd noticed black smudges in her daughter's bedroom around the light switches. So that was a sign assigned yeah. to her.
1: That's such a subtle sign.
3: Yeah, but well, I th- mean,
1: with that clue, with that knowledge, then the radar's on. Yes, and that's exactly yes. what you're doing—the service yeah. that you're providing, yeah. the education that you're providing.
3: We even have a, a sales receipt in the in the display. This is from um, an area near a university, so the um, the sun was going. Lived in a nice, nice suburb community, but was going downtown near the university to buy their drugs. So the parent found the receipt in her son's possessions and, and you know, saw the location and was asking her son, you know, what was he doing in that part of town? And that's where he was going to buy his drugs. Wow. So little that's things really, like this, that's, you know, clues. Yeah. Stuff you want to certainly, if you find, uh, talk to your kids about. Yeah. So let's talk about privacy.
1: You know, there's a, I think in our country, there's a a big and overwhelming, a response of, well, we don't want to uh, invade anyone's privacy. You've got the right to your privacy. Um, What's your position on that? As far as the parents are concerned, invasion of their child's privacy, what would be your advice or comments you would have on that?
2: Well, I do speak uh, from the point of view as a parent in the in the presentation i have six kids four of which now are adults um so i have two left a high school student and a middle school student Um, even as officer dad for 28 years i I would never say for one second i've seen everything because i'm you know always shocked when we go to new communities and i hear about a news story or something else that's going on um so i tell parents uh when it comes to young people and and their own children you've got to treat them you know, there's trust and you want them to come to you if there's a problem. They've got to understand, OK, if there's something going on or I see something that I'm just suspicious about, I'm going to ask you. You know, it's not accusatory, but just help me understand why is this particular item in your room, you know, something like that. So I guess to answer the question, Greg, if you can keep that conversation going or better yet, when they have that question, like the young lady who got the little bit of weed and made the foil pipe, get them to come to you. If they're curious, get them to come to you if they're hearing about a friend in a story, you know, where somebody's using a prescription pill or
1: something like, like that. Get them to come to you. But what about looking in their in their bedroom? What about that? Their bedroom, they're away at school, rummaging through their book bag or their in the bedroom in general. Um, do they have a right to privacy? Or do you as a parent really is that part of your job?
3: That's part of your job as a parent to monitor and, and be aware and know what's going on.
1: Why should fa- parents feel good about that? They're inviting and invading their, you know, son or daughter's privacy.
3: Because they're young and they're immature and.
2: And law wise, of course, I mean, we, we know that until a child is 18 years old, I mean, you're responsible for your children, for instance, in the juvenile delinquency World, the reason why when we charge a a child with delinquency, the parent is brought on the charge as well. So that's what kids have to get through their head. If you end up with one of these illicit items, if you get the charge for it, The parent and the child are going to end up in juvenile court answering for it, you know. And my argument to my young people is, right? When you have that item, I have that item. So you're on the hook too, as a parent. Exactly. Correct. Correct. So So that's where it comes, like Marcy's saying, with the parent's Mm -hmm. responsibility. That's your responsibility. But Mm -hmm. what I'm saying about the communication, that's where you got to get that clear communication between the two of them. And I love it if they're coming to you with their questions rather than their friends or out to the internet, which has no filter. You know, you're winning the battle.
1: So, when a problem arises, they detect it. They find weed or opioids, heaven forbid, in their room. Maybe the child is off at school. What do they do?
3: We advise parents if they have reason to believe that their young person is using um, drugs to invest in a simple home drug test kit even and um, have them um, take, a, take a home drug test kit to start with. Um, and then, you know, there's so many agencies and resources out there that can help young people that um, if it comes to it and they need professional help, here's, here's where you can go. Okay. We don't recommend or suggest, you know, if you find weed in your kid's room that you need to overreact and get the, a substance use assessment going or call the police, um, those are probably overreactions. But there are other steps along the way that, that you can take.
1: So, Paul, you find out that you find weed, say, and you do the drug test and you find out it's positive. What's next? With weed, I mean, you're
2: talking about, I would want to know, you know, how often I would have questions for them, you know, is this the first time you tried it? How often are you doing it? That sort of thing. Um, I, I want a conversation with them. You know, I, the last thing I want from them is to try to put a wall up and then lie about it, that sort of thing. Um, when it comes right down to weed, weed, we're still talking about a minor misdemeanor in this state if you're an adult. Okay. So relatively low. Um, I do make an argument though, uh, We talked a little bit about gateway drugs that, you know, weed, regardless of what you feel about it, can be the same kind of high as some other depressant type highs, you know. And if they really get comfortable with that kind of high, you know, that they could escalate or use some other kind of drug trying to chase that high. So I think that you have to do something. But if you just overreact, like Marcy said, and you penalize them and that sort of thing, I think you're going to put a wall up.
1: Okay. So um, let's talk just a little bit briefly about how this is your program has evolved now since 2011. You've been doing it for a long time now. we going on six years, right? Mm-hmm. So in that time, so how's it different today versus back when you started?
3: We um, try to keep things up to date, um, adding new things all the time. We just added uh, this week a new slide about a drug that's called Flacca, yeah. similar to bath salts that um, was f- found in uh, Lake County, so not too far away from us.
1: So this is really timely. I mean, because this just broke a few days mm-hmm. ago, Flacca mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, the and, and you've got an example of it here. We actually got
2: this from a, a local police department that uh, sees this in a drug bust of a head shop. Um, they were selling this uh, as a product called whole, whole blueberry. It doesn't say one thing about bath salts on this thing. Um, some of the big red flags though, that are on this container, you'll, you'll see this with a lot of these uh, hallucinogenic, uh, uh, what we call synthetic uh, drugs, designer synthetic drugs. It'll say uh, organic herbal essence. And then the big red flag you always see, not for human consumption, okay? This is about 35 bucks though, for this dose. I always tell parents that's how you know it's drugs, when it's $35 for this little tiny thing. And right up that alley, um, really the same animal, synthetic marijuana. Some of the street names that you hear with it, K2, Spice. The big problem I have with the synthetic marijuana is that if you, especially a young person who thinks they like the high of weed, They get this garbage, they are not going to get what they bargained for. This can be 10 to 100 times more potent as a hallucinogen than any marijuana is going to be. We had a young person in Marcy's diversion program. He went and got synthetic marijuana because he knew he was under drug testing for marijuana. So he thought, well, I'm going to fool him. I'm going to get the synthetic. Mm -hmm. He said he took this and put it in a cigarette to smoke it. He had delusions that his face was on fire. It scared him to death so much that he never did it again, thank God. But like I said, it's nothing like marijuana. To me, it's the worst named synthetic hallucinogen of all, all times. And even though it comes in these, you see these cute little packages that it comes in. None of this is sold legally in the state of Ohio.
1: This is just fascinating. This is, boy, I, I could I could listen to this for a long time. And in our presentation, Greg,
2: we go about two hours. So we oh, talk for quite a while.
1: Oh, tremendous. Thank so you. how does a community go about engaging you and bringing this show to their town?
3: Um, It would be contacting uh, myself here at at Bath or Copley Police Department. Okay.
1: Mercy, how do they do that?
3: Um, An email would be be a great idea. M-M-A-S-O-N at copley.oh.us. Make an initial inquiry. Um, We're Mm -hmm. booking now out uh, probably four to five months ahead of time. So what they need to do is look at their school or community calendars and pick a week. And then uh, get in touch with us and say, we want to have you guys come out. We're able to do this at no charge. No cost to the community. To the host, you know. Uh know, We do get some grant money through the Attorney General's office to help cover some of the expenses. And then the two communities here, Beth and Copley, um, help as well.
1: Excellent. Okay. Any final thoughts for our listeners? I want to thank you both today for your time. And this has just been so enlightening.
3: Um, Our schedule uh, of Hidden in Plain Sight presentations is available online on Copley uh, Township's website. Again, www.copley.oh.us. So anybody who's interested in attending could go there and see where we're going to be next.
1: Okay. Outstanding. Paul, last comment?
2: Um, I I could just say when we're talking to parents, um, I'm a big uh, advocate of parents. educating your children but you got to be mom and dad first that's that's the that's the thing you know a lot of parents go out and they want to be the cool or friendly parent you know um, you got to be the parent first you know if you're expecting education programs in school or anywhere else to educate your child uh, in these areas it's not enough it's not enough you need to have that conversation every day about these things and uh, like i said uh, and we reviewed uh, you know it's not a right in america to have your private own bedroom that mom and dad or nobody else can ever look in so we encourage parents to keep their eyes open and even if there isn't a problem to to make sure that you're watching and seeing and if there's something that you think's a red flag to definitely investigate it and i'm a big advocate even if there never is a program a a problem. uh, Have that drug test kit in the house and let them know that it's there for them if you ever suspect that. Great.
1: Well, once again, thank you both. As a footnote, the Hidden in Plain Sight team can travel to areas within a 60-minute drive from the Bath-Copley area. If you would like to develop a program for your community, contact the Hidden in Plain Sight team. They would be happy to assist. We've been visiting today with Marcy Mason, the youth services worker for both Bath and Copley Police Departments, with 33 years of experience under her belt, and Paul Webb, who's the detective with the Copley Police Department. I'm Greg McNeil, founder of Cover Two Resources. Thank you for joining us for this podcast.